This is the Skeptical Student Show, created as a part of Podcast Lab by India Film Project in association with Anchor by Spotify. You can always listen to the episode on Fast Forward and follow the podcast to never miss new episodes. And while you're at it, don't forget to rate the podcast a five star. Hello, everyone. I am Gavish, and I welcome you to the Skeptical Student Show for one last time, as this is the finale episode of the season. And this automatically calls for an exceptional guest who deserves a special introduction. Welcome, Ms. Zarina Poonawala, an eminent emotional intelligence, leadership, and life coach, and also the mentor for Team Helen, my team and hence my mentor at India Film Project's Podcast Lab. Hi Zarina, you can go and introduce yourself briefly maybe. Hi Gavish, thank you for such a wonderful and generous introduction and I am very proud of you and very proud to be as a guest on your show today because this is an extremely, extremely, you know, proud moment for a mentor. So um, thank you for having me and you've done brilliantly. I'm pretty sure everybody's enjoying your show thoroughly and uh, hope I can do justice to your episode. Oh, that's out of question. (laughs) Today, we would like to go back in time and talk about when we began with this podcast. We emphasized and Zarina very well knows because she was a part of the journey as well. Mm -hmm. We emphasized on this uniting factor that all of us have been students. But despite the similarities, we have also got to acknowledge the differences, right? And hence, today, we are going to be talking about the Gen Z students slaying the 21st century. So, let's get the basics out first. Gen Z or Zoomers are born between the 1990s to approximately 2010 and they make up for 26% of the global population. Now, since born in a different age and time and also in a different space, the Gen Z students ought to have different struggles and experiences. Blast from the past segment. And on that note, I would like to ask you, Zarina, about what contrast or differences have you witnessed between the students of today and between the students, say, from your own time? That's an interesting question, Gavish. And to be honest with you, I've realized one thing. Students have a couple things in common, no matter which generation they belong to, okay? They have curiosity in common. They have wanting to do something. At least when they start off being students, every student has an ambition. Everybody wants to do something. So they have those things in common. What really is different is technology, the platforms, the resources, the kind of knowledge sharing that is happening today as opposed to back in the day. And I think when I say that, I also mean that There was a different kind of bonding and rapport, you know. I think we were more scared of our principal walking past the corridor. Everybody would just stop and freeze and just be a good morning, ma'am, or good morning, sir, and things like that. There was a different kind of respect. There was a sense of fear. Now we don't have that fear anymore, which is good. I see that in students. They don't fear their teachers. But would you say that respect derived out of fear is okay? No, not at all. Not at all. That's what I'm saying. So I saw respect. I saw respect earlier, but also fear. Now what I don't see is fear, but sometimes I see respect. I've been an active faculty with a lot of institutes, you know, MBA institutes, B schools, sports management, 
So I can tell you very, very clearly with first-hand experience, I get lots of respect, lots of love from my students. And I have to say that students these days have a mind of their own. Initially, I think we belong to a bit of the herd mentality. Now there are more opportunities, more options. There are different industries, different fields. Being an influencer is, or a content creator is something that has become much of a good, let's say, a commercial and a growth prospect, right? It wasn't even there in our time. We didn't know something like this could ever exist, right? So one very key element that I think differentiates the previous generation from the one now, especially students, is the fact that they definitely have more platforms, resources, and they have a mind of their own, for sure. Yes, and you rightly spoke about the unconventional career path. And I also think the students in today's time have learned to combine passion with career. Right. And I think that convergence can take them a long way. That is true. That is true. I think initially what was sort of ingrained, especially, and let me be very clear, girls were still taught that their aim is to get married. Okay. Very few of them, very few girls, especially I'd say from good parts of Bengal or South India, have been very dynamic. And they've done great work, okay. But mainly girls weren't given that kind of exposure to education, considering that the next steps is marriage and that's about it. Boys, on the other hand, were taught to just create a security net and to be providers. So they just had to jump into taking up the profession that was going to pay them the most or that's going to make the family most proud or that is probably part of the family generation legacy, I'd say. Today, I think all of that has changed. So the entire ecosystem, culture, the way students are studying, the way they are learning things and the way they are choosing their career paths has all changed. Be it men, women, boys, girls, doesn't matter. And that's what I really, really like about what I see today. Yes, exactly. And I think this change is only possible because the students now, they are not afraid to ask questions and also they wouldn't hesitate from questioning the established systems and hence challenging the stereotypes. and. Reflecting from one of my own experiences, I mean, when my mother tells me to do something and it happens that I question her as to why. And then she says that don't ask the why. If I'm telling you something, it has to be followed. (laughs) And then my only response is that since I am a human, my actions have to be backed by reasoning. And I'm not a robot that can go along following orders. So that ability to ask questions has definitely been there. True. That's very true. I completely agree with you because, you know, if I have to just see the difference in generations, I'll tell you that, like you said earlier, respect meant fear, Gavish. That's how, in fact, most of us were taught. But very few people like me maybe realize that they're different. So, you know, when somebody says, I'm your father, you have to respect me or look down, don't talk, don't back answer. These are things we grew up in households where we were spoken to in a certain manner because of the designation of the people in our households, right? And that designation gave them the power to shut us up. So we were not, we, even though there was curiosity in that generation, I don't think all the curiosity was ever answered or acknowledged because it was usually called misbehaving and back answering, unlike today. So I think parents are also changing with time. They are becoming a little more open. They are accepting curiosity and they're not just calling it back answering, working as per delegation and designation of the title that they have, you know. So that is good. That is pretty good, I think. Yes, times have certainly changed. 
and it continues to do so. Problem pinpoints in seeking solutions segment. Now, do you think that a student of the 21st century is being controlled by the internet and social media or he is himself controlling the same? Because technology has been an ingrained part of the Gen Z student life and we are also casually referred to as the technologically driven generation. True. It's basically how you want to use a pen. You know, you want to write a poetry or you want to write a hate speech. You want to use a knife to cut a person or cut an apple. <laughs> That's how I see technology and students these days. There are a few who have used it to the advantage and they have used technology beautifully to create better. Okay. And then there are a few who have probably used it very disadvantageously, I'd say. So in my understanding, there is no one type to this, Gavish. I think it's a proper combination like there is in every other thing around us. But definitely, I'd say students are driven massively by the technology around them. Because if you look around you, there is nothing possible anymore without technology. And I think to some extent, that is feeling very, very handicapped. That is actually cutting off your own limbs and telling yourself you can't walk because you're surrounded by so much and without it, you can't survive. Now, I think that is when you have become slave instead of master to technology. And I don't think that's only very specific to students today. I've seen dinner table conversations in different households and I've seen parents worse than students, you know, being totally in, in technology and phones and things like that. But like I said, it can either be good, it can either be bad because there are pros and cons to this. It really depends on how you want to use it. I just feel it's overused and it's kind of abusing our mental state because there is a stimulus overflow of everything, you know, be it uh, food options, be it your social media, be it the consumption you have because you're constantly comparing your life and how fast people are moving in their lives. Not only that, even if it comes to any kind of cyber crimes and hackings, uh, if you go to see, there is definitely a good involvement of the young generation in the good and bad that is happening with technology. So as long as you keep it in your control, you're going to be a master of it. But I do largely feel at this point in time, most students are slaves. Okay. And how would you advise on changing this situation? How do we become the masters of our own technology as students? Yeah, that's interesting. Some simple things that can be done, Gavish, frankly, not very difficult at all. One of the things is you must take a digital detox every day. Have some time off your phone. Don't start your day looking at your phone. Don't end your day looking at your phone. If there are people that you're following or friends or um, let's say friends who have now turned foes that you're following or exes that you're following, and their life is bothering you, unfollow them. Delete them. Don't follow things that negatively consume you. You want to follow something, you want to look at something, you want to read something, go for it. But try to stay away from unnecessary negativity. There's already enough around you on a daily basis. You have your own fair share of problems to deal with, right? So I don't see a point in indulging in comparisons, looking at other people's lives, especially when you have, you feel like you're not doing really well with yours. There's a big chance that you get 
very encompassed with what others are doing. And at that point in time, this helps. Just digital detox, not starting your day and ending your day with your phone. Instead, leave it out if you have to or, you know, read a book for five minutes before you go off to bed if you can. And um, delete or unfollow the people that displease you, that make you uncomfortable. I think that's a great way to go about it. And yeah, I mean, you know, just just limit the usage. That's all. You, you can't do anything else. It's there. It's at your disposal. So you have to decide how much you can use and how much you need. Like drinking water. That's that's the best analogy I can give you because frankly, that's how technology is. It's as important for us as probably our necessities, right? Our basic necessities. But it's not that if you have water, you know, you constantly keep drinking water because you have it. You constantly don't because you don't have it. Right. You have to take a break. Whatever is good enough, whatever is going into your body, it's helping you. Take it. But if it's not helping you, let it go. Everything in balance is great. And I think the only thing that is really missing between students and technology is balance. Just the balancing act of how much they need to consume. That's about it. Yes, great points. And we were just talking about social media as a tool. And one of the modern day problems that it gives birth to is self-doubt. So how would you suggest the, the students of 21st century to deal with this self-doubt through social media or through elsewhere, wherein everyone is just busy flaunting the best parts of their lives? Yeah, that's what I meant actually when I was talking about comparison. See, self-doubt comes from the fact that we think we're not good enough. We're not valued enough. We feel like we're worthless. And we feel all of this when when we are looking at other people's lives and thinking they are worth something. So by yourself in a room, if you don't have any competition, you may or may not think that you're worthless. But when you know there are other people around you, you've already decided that they're better than me. Okay, they're doing better than me. And that's how self-doubt in students crops in. One of the things related to self-doubt would be your academic achievements, your qualification, your degree, somebody's doing better than you and you're not doing that well, that is a problem. Then it uh, has to do with your lifestyles. So if somebody has the latest PS, I don't even know what is the latest number. That's a problem of my generation, I think. It's five. Yeah, there you go. So PS5 or let's say your latest iPhone 13 or an iPad or whatever it is, you know, like gadgets and things, materialistic things that prove that you have the lifestyle that really is fancy and others don't or you don't, then you're going to have self-doubt about that. Again, out of comparison, um, somebody has found themselves a date or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a partner and you haven't, so you're feeling lonely while everybody else is on a date, there's self-doubt about you there. It just goes on, right? So self-doubt also comes from the fear of rejection and as students we always fear rejection in fact why only students even adults okay everybody fears rejection and that is where you have to start understanding that the social media is beautiful it's nice you can be indulgent in other people's lives but that's that that's what it is that's where it ends okay social media is not reality Every influencer you see putting out a 10-second video or a 30-second video or whatever they're doing there, they have teams, they have hours of work going into it, they're creating content, they have schedules. It's a proper job in today's time. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know what kind of um, profile you require to be an influencer. I never will consider myself as one in any case. But point is, 
everybody is working you certainly are but i can guarantee that no 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 gavish no i don't want to be to be honest i don't want to be <laughs> it's, it's just not my... no but but to talk about the word just the word influencer i mean away from the whole digital thing yeah influencer is someone who influences and you certainly are influencing people in a positive way so why not yes then then i will take it then i will take it. i was thinking of it from uh, the professional perspective but yes this makes sense thank you but the deal is you know i mean i feel like you have to be able to disconnect yourself from this imaginary world for instance when i talk about the word love or you know you're reading a novel like a romantic novel or you're watching a movie you are getting an imaginary world of love now you expect that imagination to be your reality when you fall in love and that doesn't happen that's why expectations are so high you're not going to run around trees and hold hands all the time and say sweet nothings to each other it may not happen it may happen in the beginning it may not happen later so the point is we have always been conditioned that our minds have been trained to not live in our reality at all we're always living in an imaginary world future imagination i want a big house i want a big car i want a, this family that thing i want to travel you know i want good marks i want this so you're constantly in a world where you aren't actually there so in my opinion every student must only remember one thing that the map is not the territory what you see on a map is a little dot okay that okay this is so and so place okay this is india that's it when you go to india you will see how big india is how vast it is its landscapes its beauty its people different cultures you know different cities just that little dot does not explain all of my country so the map is not the territory and what you're seeing on social media is the map it's not the territory that's all you need to remember and live in your reality live in real time you know that's what you do yes i agree and i think it's high time we all should realize that social media is not real and also i love how each one of your answers is flowing right into the next question because you spoke about love and dating <laughs> and that would be the next point i'll be taking up because we are currently living in this progressive wave and what would be your opinion about falling in love as a student and then balancing the relationship with your studies hmm so first i have to say gavish that's your mentee mentor relationship okay we have a telepathic communication going on while we speak so i guess i know what's coming to me right after yes talking about love love has no age right and i wouldn't say that in your college only focus on your career and don't fall in love and don't feel anything it's not going to happen people can say it to you but it's not going to happen so i'd say fall in love have your heart broken <laughs> have it shattered into a few pieces enjoy dating enjoy the ups and downs of a relationship feel feel emotions you might understand your body your emotions your um, connection with another person and that's all beautiful so fall in love or be in a relationship or two just don't be extreme about it like you said finding the balance so i'll tell you what the issue is you and me have always been told you have to choose this or that right matlab the question here is that okay should we even consider it when we are students right so it's a this or that when you're studying it's a this or that if you are married then it's a this or that if life goes on with this and that but the point is why do we need to make 
a choice between this and that. Why can't you have a bit of both? It's because human beings do not know how to balance. Okay, that's the issue. The issue is not having. You can be in a relationship and you can study. Only problem is when we get into a relationship, we get consumed by it to a level where now you will choose also what your girlfriend or boyfriend are choosing in terms of subjects to study. There'll be sense of insecurities because obviously you're sharing class and space and group assignments, and there might be a little threat to your relationship with another person involved, somebody whose friendship you don't like with your uh, partner. Those kind of things occur. You start feeling like this is it for me. So now you've started to put your own career, your own life on the back burner. Yes. And see, that's the problem. The problem is not being in a relationship or falling in love. The problem is. Love is not everything, neither is your career, but there's a time for it. And the time is right when you're going to class, you're going to study. As simple as that. So pay attention, prioritize your career, prioritize your profession. And love happens all the time. It happens anywhere. It can happen in college, it can happen at work, it can happen in your gym class, it can happen uh, these days online. So in my opinion, love, enjoy, but the priority should always be your life. And in life, in general, love is an important part of life. So, you know, all the kids out there, I'm going to tell you this. You do not have to give your heart away to somebody when you fall in love. Your heart is not supposed to literally be in two pieces and you're giving one piece off to another. No. You have to share your heart with somebody. Okay. And they have to share it back. As long as you can do that and two people want to be with each other and they can grow yet keep their eyes on the goal, yet keep their eyes on the road and be able to focus on the priorities as life is going by, then that kind of love is great. But if your love is toxic, which it becomes, that's the reason why most people tell you not to fall in love and be in a relationship during college, is because you yourself are so immature, you don't know how to deal with another person's emotions. <laughs> so that is the issue here. As long as you can be a little more mature and um, prioritize, Perfectly well. Fall in love, break your heart, enjoy dating, do whatever you like. Yes, exactly. And I think as students, we are all here to learn. So why not we might as well learn about forming relationships and bonds? I mean, when you get into a relationship, you also learn about one of the aspects of life, right? So that also needs to be learned. Absolutely. And now moving on to my next question, what would you say about confronting your family about your dreams and aspirations because as we all know that generational gap is real and there might not be an alignment between the aspiration of the families and what we are wanting for ourselves so how do you think one should go about convincing them or putting it out there that this is what you want to do because from my experience i can tell that i literally had to fight my family to take up humanities, which I have talked about in my first episode. Yes, I know about that. But Gavish, I think the way to go about it is fight. Fight till you can get what you want. Like you have, I have had to as well. Back in my time, I don't think my parents wanted me to go abroad to study. And I did. Okay, they didn't really want me to start my own business. And I did. And they, they only had one aim. I think that's the aim most people had. That's the reason why I closely talk about Understanding financial literacy and financial independence, whether you're a boy, girl, doesn't matter who you are, you must learn financial literacy, you know, and grow because frankly, these conversations are always going to be tough. 
no matter which generation you're born to, you, me, the generations ahead of us, they're all going to have to stand up and fight for what they think they would like to accomplish or pursue or grow in because there's always going to be a little generation gap. So my simple advice, I reckon, would be just, you know, communicate and stand your ground as much as possible. So technically, I think this has to do more with the parents, Gavish, than the students. Okay, it has to do more with the students being understood. So then it makes us possible to have a conversation with parents. Parents need to start being a little more open-minded about their children's passion, profession, career choices, paths in life, whatever they choose. Just open-minded and giving them some space and liberty to grow. They may be wrong, they may fall, they may make mistakes, but haven't we all, right? So I guess here the conversation is more directed towards the parents than the students. But when it comes to students, I'd just say, just hold your ground. Just hold your fort as long and as hard as you can. Because one day, those same parents will turn around and regret the decisions they didn't allow you to take. But by the time, it's too late. So you've got to make sure you do right by yourself while you have the time. See, that's the deal. Yes, exactly. And as you were speaking, I could relate to the answer. And I think once the parents actually see you living the best life and you following your dreams and passions, I think at first they would be disappointed, but then they would eventually be happy. Right. See, they also are stuck in a certain frame of mind. There's a certain amount of fixed mentality that goes on with parenting specifically. For example, I'll give you a small example. These days, there's a lot of conversation about toddlers being force-fed. You know, bachcho ko aise jabardasti khana khilate. Yes. And now a lot of parents are saying that it's wrong. You shouldn't do that. If a kid is hungry, they will eat. Kid is eventually going to be hungry. An adult is eventually going to be hungry. At some point, you will eat, right? You see how times are changing. Even a little toddler is not understood. As parents, what happens is you have a being in your hand and you've decided how to deal with them in the best way you understand. But the best way you understand may not be the correct way for them. Exactly. And that exactly is the issue. Even as children grow and want to choose their career paths, the parents think this is the best way they understand it and this is the profession and this is what they need to do. But that is not correct for your child. So just give them a chance. All I'm saying is to parents, if they're listening, give your children one chance before you make them do what you want them to do. And honestly, don't make them do what you want them to do. That's not why you're raising children. Okay. And for students, no matter what happens, just hold your fort and stand your ground because your parents will change their mind. All you have to do is you have to work and you have to be determined and persevere towards whatever dreams you have with your life. Just stay on, you know, just keep going. Yes. And just put up that fight. You'll thank yourself. Totally. And importantly, Gavish, nobody is going to fight for you. Yes. So you have to do it for yourself. Otherwise, as you grow older, you will be one of those sulky, whiny <laughs> people with, you know, a midlife crisis, blaming your parents for all the wrong things that happened in your life because they didn't allow you. And you will be right about it. But that won't change the fact that your life has become really, really sad and you're unhappy. So you have to take that charge in your hands. People may be unhappy, but you have to know that these are the choices and these are the consequences of my choices. So you have to avoid yourself to spiral into the victim mentality. And trust me, as a coach, I meet people every day, every hour I'm meeting people. And most of them come from childhood trauma issues. Most of them come from decisions taken for them. And 
that's what makes them the way they are today exactly that's a wrap for part 1 to continue listening to the second part tune into episode 20